to introduce to you the next section of, of our 40 days. It's the renewal of our heart. And as we're working through this process, we're asking God to do just that, recognizing that only he can renew our heart. If we're going to try to re renew our own heart, we come back to the truth and understanding that the psalmist has written that the heart is easily deceived. Who can understand it? So we turn our attention to God and ask him to do just that. I mentioned last week that um, we are not working through spiritual hoops. We're not jumping through them in order that we might have some kind of spiritual accomplishment in which God is attentive to us and approves us. But instead, we are striving for spiritual accomplishment that is given to us in Christ. We reach to Christ, we, we cling hold of him, and he gives us the reward of spiritual accomplishment. And so part of our reading and praying and our praising is moving us to that, to come press into the presence of Christ, come press into his word, and find the rest that we can have in him spiritually. Spiritual accomplishment, of course, rests totally on Jesus. We just sang about that, didn't we? In fact, the entire worship set was moving to that kind of an understanding. We simply are learning to submit to him and to press into his word and his truths, which are filled with grace, are they not? Just pushing towards God's great grace uh, given to us. 40 Days of Renewal is meant to help sharpen our focus on that, to give our attention towards who God is and the presence that he affords to us and the victory that is ours in Christ, this great saving and transforming work. So as we begin our journey of faith with Jesus Christ, we probably did so hearing favorite verses like John 3.16, which says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if we or whoever would believe in him, we wouldn't perish, but we could have everlasting life. And we trusted him for that. In fact, that was the beginning of our salvation, learning that God had died in his son in order to give us life. So our salvation is grounded in that kind of truth. However, it's essential for us to understand that Jesus did not die in order for us to have life in him one day in heaven. That's part of it. But Jesus died in order that we might have life with him today that we might have the fullness of him today, not just in the future, but that he would share his victory over sin and death with us today. And pressing into that truth will help us to renew our heart that Christ gives us resurrection power for today. Christ gives us victory over sin for today. So God has made Romans 6.14 to be a reality for us in that truth. Sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Now, let's just take some moment as we're working through these passages to pause and just let some truth settle in. Sin will have no dominion over you. Now, I don't know about you, but the enemy is a pretty crafty liar. And he speaks his lies into me and makes it so that I think that it's reality and the lie goes something like this in my head it goes something like this oh yeah Randy you're a Christian but you know you still have that sin and that sin that rules you you still have that sin and that sin which has dominion over you that verse is for one day in the future 
my friends, that is not true. It's not true at all that Christ has died in order that we might be free from sin. Christ has died in order that we might have victory over sin. And here's what he says. Sin has no dominion over you. Sin cannot rule you. God has provided the victory over sin. Now, you might say, yes, Randy, I get that. One day I am going to be without sin in heaven. And you're right, but God has empowered us to have victory over sin today. Sin will have no dominion over you. And we need to take God's word at heart and trust him and believe him. You don't have to be ruled by sin. Addictions do not have to have their way over your life. Your mind, your will, and your emotion does not have to cave under the pressure of the temptations of sin. They just don't have to. And when you and I get the reality of that, we'll say, okay, God, what do I need to do? What, what, what can I press towards? What can I understand more fully? How, how can I live in this great victory and freedom that is yours? Well, look what Romans 6, 6 says. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So now we're seeing, okay, it's not about what we can do, but it's about what Christ has already accomplished, what Christ has already done. In Christ, we know that the old self was crucified, that with him we have been put to death. We share that death of the cross. And the reason why, this is a big section right here, in order that, the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So we still live with this body that has sin in it. We still live with that, but that we live today that it might be brought to nothing, that it doesn't rule over us, that we're not just a bunch of cravings, we're not just a bunch of desires, we're not just a uh, a body that has to be given towards temptation, but Christ has shared his death and his victory over sin on the cross with us, in order that the body might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Isn't there an interesting point there, again, repeated, that we would no longer be enslaved to sin? When we're talking about a renewal of our heart, we're talking about the inclination of us, we're talking about the intent and the purpose of us, and we have to sort of settle into this truth. Okay, the reality is this is not, i got to pull myself up my, by my bootstraps. This is not me getting more strong and more tenacious about holy life. This is about me first coming to an understanding of truth that I don't have to live with the dominion of sin over me. I don't have to be enslaved to my cravings. That Christ has made it so that I no longer have to be enslaved to sin in that way. So today is the day of freedom in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. Today is the day of victory in Jesus Christ. You might not have been victorious yesterday, but I want you to hear me say today is the day of victory in Jesus Christ. He has already accomplished for your victory. You don't have to be enslaved to sin no longer. In fact, one writer said it this way, Romans 6, 6 ought to become your personal declaration of independence. I am independent in Jesus Christ, and I'm no longer ruled by sin. You say, well, that's not reality. All I know is it's the reality of Christ. Which one do you want to choose? You want to choose the reality of the devil, or you want to choose the reality of Jesus Christ? 
And I think in a renewed heart, we want to choose the reality of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus not only died to pay the penalty of sin and to cleanse us from it, but he died in order that he might be resurrected and give us victory, a new way of living, a newness of life. You are not like Thomas the train trying to climb the the mountain of sin. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. No, you are trusting in Jesus who has already climbed the mountain and carried you and me to the top of it, and we now stand victorious in him. By faith, day by day and moment by moment, we are trusting that the indwelling presence of Christ empowers us to live distinctly and wholly and righteously, that we might press into those great truths, great truths like Galatians 2.20 that says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, why don't you take a moment and just let those parts of that verse stand out to you that the Spirit of God wants to. For me, it's this. I have been crucified with Christ. I've I've joined Christ on that cross. By faith, I've been crucified with Christ. And now it is no longer I who live. Those of you who are in faith in Christ, you've shared in that crucifixion with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. So this whole life that we're living, this idea of renewing our heart is moving to that truth. That Christ now lives in me. And my life is to allow the presence of Christ to be manifest in me constantly. To let him rule over my thoughts, rule over my words, rule over my ways, that Christ would live in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, okay, so I recognize that I am still in the flesh and it is an unregenerated flesh. In other words, it has not been made perfect yet. The spirit, yes, by the power of the cross, but the flesh to be... So right now, you and I are living in the flesh, but in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So even in this flesh, where sin has been deposited generationally, I can live by faith that Christ is making all things new in me. So we have been crucified with Christ. We, by faith, have died to sin's grip and power and penalty. Christ lives in us by faith. It is his victory, his power, and his, uh, his nature dwelling within us. And in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God. And that means that we do nothing alone. He lives with us constantly. When we are facing temptation, when we are facing struggles, when we're facing despair, whatever it is, you are not alone. Christ is living within you, in your flesh. So much of our attention in 40 Days of Renewal has been pressing towards those kind of truths. That we're learning that even more deeply, more fully, drawing ourselves to the true understanding of God and the accomplishment of Christ. And as we understand those truths, you can't help but draw near to Him and press towards Him. You're finding yourself in doing so to be renewed in mind and spirit. Now, this is not about, I'm going to do better doing away from that and that and that. I'm going to stop doing this, this, and this. Listen, that's nothing but a New Year's resolution. We're talking about a new life revelation that Christ makes all things new. 
that you can settle into him as he is settling into you and you can be radically different. As the Holy Spirit transforms us, he will inform us of areas and help us to identify those places that are not in alignment with God and his word. And those are the areas that are sinful. Whereas God is holy in our flesh, we find sin. And the Holy Spirit is looking. He is helping us to understand those areas that hinder our fellowship and our drawing near to God. So as we're talking about renewing our hearts this week, I am certain that he is going to identify places in your heart that he says that isn't in alignment with the Father and that is in not alignment with his word. And he will identify those things and call you to uh, confess, that is, agree with him about that, repent from them, turn away from those things, and turn towards him, drawing near to God. He's going to be in this process all week long. If you'll give him the opportunity, he is constantly doing that. And here's what I'm challenging us to do. Press towards that. Press towards that. Why would I want to press towards that? I don't know about you, but I used to hide all the time. If I knew I had done something wrong and my parents might find out about it, I stay clear away from them. In, in the thought that they may have found out about it and were coming to me. So I stayed away from them. Don't do that. When it comes to God, don't do that. For God is perfect in his love. He is not wanting to bring judgment to you. He has already placed all the judgment of that sin upon his son on the cross. He's drawing to you, pointing out those things that you might be able to draw near to him. So I would ask you, press towards him when he's doing that. It's evident that he is filled with grace and goodness for you. and his love, he will convict you of those sins that will cause you to not be in sweet fellowship with him. And you'll miss out on true significance and peace and joy in your life if you leave those sins embedded. Instead, let the Spirit identify them and let Him help you to confess those things and repent of those things and draw near to God. So it's out of the goodness of His heart that God would draw near in those ways and identify those things that, that we ought to be grieving over. Listen to how God moves upon us in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So in other words, anyone can be sorry for the effect of sin and being caught in that sin. We have seen that splashed on the headlines for months now. Anybody can be sorry for sin and being caught. But that sorrow is of the world. That sorrow is a self-centered sorrow, and it is self-pity sorrow. Anybody can do that. And that does not lead you to a new way of life. But godly sorrow can. Godly sorrow can bring transformation. Godly sorrow is God-centered and action-oriented. With godly sorrow, a person understands the sin and the magnitude of it, which primarily is it causes us to be distant from God. L listen, when you and I have sin in our life, it is because we have turned from God and turned towards the sinfulness. Godly sorrow helps us to understand that not only is that sin an affront to God, 
but it causes our back to be to God. And godly sorrow comes to a conclusion that I want not to be distant from God. I want to turn from that sin, and I want to draw near to God again. That's radically different from, man, am I ever sorry that I got caught? Or ever I, am I sorry for the embarrassment that I've caused? But it's my sin has caused me to turn away from God. So, godly sorrow is God moved. The Holy Spirit is going to point out, call to attention for us to recognize those things that caused us to turn away from God. And at the same time, he will call us to repent, turn to God, and renew your heart to him. Here's Ephesians 4, 22, that says this pretty clearly. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true repentance and holiness. So there's three things that just, to me, uh, bring a rhythm about. Uh, number one, take off the old and sinful. Asking God to forgive you as you do. Just take that off. Why are you holding that? Why are you wearing that? Why are you carrying that around? Take that off. And recognize that God didn't place that on there. It doesn't belong to you as a saint of God. Take it off. Do it through confession. Take it off. In repentance, leave it off. Be renewed in your thinking, which is what repentance means. Be renewed in your thinking. Okay, God, I'm thinking differently about this. I'm thinking about uh, your holiness and my call to be holy as you're holy. I'm thinking about drawing near to you, renewing my mind. That sin has no place in my life. I'm taking it off, and I'm being renewed in Christ Jesus by faith. I'm putting on the new self in Christ. That's what is right and what is holy. By faith, I'm trusting that Christ has made this provision for me, and I'm putting on the things of Christ. So you see the rhythm here. I'm taking off some sinful things or all sinful things and asking God to forgive me as I do, recognizing they had no place in me. I'm changing the way I think about it. That's repentance, and I'm moving, drawing near to God and putting on the things of Christ Jesus, which he has afforded me the ability to do. So I'm trusting him by faith. Perhaps you're wondering, okay, how am I going to do this, Randy, since I've tried so many times to stop the old habits and the old sinful ways? How am I going to do this? Well, God gives us the answer how this is accomplished. He says in Colossians 2, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now, catch this because that'll just fly right past you. Ask the Spirit to give it deep into your thinking. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, as you were saved, you received him. How did you receive him? You received him by faith. So, by faith, walk in him. In other words, you are not saved and you're working out the rest on your own until you get to heaven one day. No, you were saved by faith, right? That's the only way we're saved, by faith. You're saved by faith, and so we will walk by faith. 
We're trusting that Christ has forgiven our sin and declared us right before God. And we are trusting that Christ is going to let us walk in the newness of life. We're trusting that we can walk by faith. That the old things are no longer part of us. So we're rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So this work of faith is what saves us at a point in time, saves us through this journey in life, and saves us when we stand before God in His holiness. We live a renewed life in the same way in which we were saved. We do it by faith in Christ. So by faith, we believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh who lived without sin, who took our sin upon himself so that we could be cleansed of our sin. And by faith, you believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected on the third day to give you abundant life in his eternal presence. All by faith. You trusted in Jesus Christ to save you. And that's how you're going to walk in a sinless way in the holiness of Christ by faith. Now, what are you saying, Randy? Forever I'm going to be sinless? I didn't say that. But I'm saying that God has made it so that you can walk without sin. God has empowered you to walk without sin. You walk by faith in the victory over sin. Now, that, didn't, that doesn't mean that you're going to take every step in that. But that is certainly God's purpose for you. And that is God's provision for you and me that we would walk in the holiness of Christ by faith. So you cried out in faith for him to save you. You need to learn how to cry out in faith for him to help you to walk in holiness and righteousness. Most of us just kind of shake our head at temptation and hope that it goes away. Or some have determined, I'm just not going to be able to get over this. This is just the way I am. No, 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 no. Not if you're new in Christ. As you learn to call out to him for your salvation, you're going to have to learn throughout every day in the temptation to call out to him, Lord, save me in this moment of temptation. You're going to have to learn that. And Christ, by his spirit, is going to give you that education. So when you sense temptation rising, you're going to have to pause and proclaim the victory of Christ Jesus and the presence of holiness in you and the power of that presence that reigns within you and just push towards that. Live in that presence. Be quick to turn away from sin. Learn to not linger around it. Learn not to give it the second look. Learn not to stare at it. Be quick to turn to Jesus, trusting that he in his powerful presence is living within you and is going to give you victory over that. And if the temptation continues, you trust Jesus that he will empower you to continue to restrain and to resist the temptation. The Lord's power will help you to be the overcomer. And when you think it's too difficult, you need to come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. that says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So keep trusting, keep resisting, keep renewing. And walk in the victory that is yours in Jesus Christ. How can you be certain? Because God cannot fail. How can you be certain? Because Jesus cannot be defeated. How can you be, be uh, certain? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is always perfect. You can trust Him. So keeping your trust in Jesus is the means by which you will walk in a renewed heart. 
Now, I'd like for us to spend the rest of our time together simply reading from the Bible and allowing the Holy Spirit to identify areas that need to be renewed by Him. After reading the passage, I'm going to simply ask some questions that have been posed by an author by the name of Gary Frizzle in his book, Returning to Holiness. And I'm just going to ask that you would allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of any areas that might be not of God, and in doing so, follow the rhythm that we've talked about of renewal, confess and seek God's forgiveness, and take off the old sinful ways. Be renewed in your thinking by faith in Christ Jesus. Put on what is new in Christ. So there's the rhythm. The Spirit is going to identify. You and I are going to agree. We're going to be by faith, believing that that old sinful way has been put to death in Christ and that we can think differently, be renewed in our thinking about that and put on the newness of Christ. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you I've not preached this way or taught this way or read so many scriptures I'm about to do. But I'm believing that the word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, and it will bring conviction where conviction is needed. I'll ask you to pause along the way and make some notations in your notes. In fact, everything that I've said is not in your notes until right now because I want you to have this and circle back to it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, those three passages reveal three significant truths regarding salvation. On the day of judgment, Jesus says in Matthew 7 that there will be many who think they are saved but will discover that they do not know God and God does not know them. According to John 17, True salvation consists of knowing Christ in a life-changing personal relationship. And people who are genuinely saved have a strong supernatural assurance of their salvation. Let me ask you these questions. Do you have a settled peace concerning your salvation? Do you often sense God speaking to your heart, or does that seem foreign to you? Are you in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or do you know facts about Him? Can you remember a time when you were uniquely called out of your sin and spiritual death and into the holy life of Jesus When you made a profession of faith in Christ, did you experience a noticeable and lasting change in your life? 
Now, if you've answered no to any of those questions, then it's imperative that you stop and let the Holy Spirit bring that conviction upon you. He's convicting you in judgment. And as you stop and recognize what is afforded to you in Christ Jesus, confess your sinfulness, confess your need for salvation, and move towards Christ. He will provide that for you. That's God's love and affection for you. But talking about a renewed heart means nothing if your heart has been made new in Christ Jesus, recreated. The old has passed away, the new has come. Salvation is not to be toyed with. It's not to be guessed about. It's not to be hoped for with uncertainty. It's meant to be certain. So I'm asking you who who are in need to solidify your salvation. Press to Jesus. Press to Him. Now, for those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ, maybe there's a need for renewal in your life. A revived spirit in you towards the things of God, and God has been stirring that. I'd like to use these following scriptures to fashion our heart, to renew us in the way of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now carefully and honestly reflect on the type of thoughts that occupy your mind. Is your mind filled with thoughts of Christ or consumed with worldly issues? Do you think far more about work or entertainment than spiritual growth and serving Christ? Are you often filled with unclean thoughts? Are you plagued with fearful or angry thoughts? In each of these areas, make your confession known to God and ask Him for forgiveness and trust Him to renew your mind. Be resolved to take the old out, the old way of thinking, and put on the new in Christ Jesus. Let's just pause for a minute and ask the Spirit to help us. Lord, as we're moving in this rhythm of reading your word and your Spirit prompting us, we pray that you would find us quick to agree, quick to press with new thoughts towards Jesus, putting on those things that are new. Anything, Lord, that we're reading and talking about that you want us to circle back to, I pray that you would give us the resolve to do that. We'd make notations after you've spoken to us and that we would give ourselves to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 5 says this of Jesus, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Do lustful, unclean thoughts frequently occupy your mind? Do you watch programs, movies, or online material that stimulates improper thoughts and feelings? Are you conscious of unclean thoughts or motives? Do you often have thoughts that would, you would be ashamed for others to know? Now, if you sense the Spirit of God convicting in this word or in this way, then confess those things specifically. Decide that you're going to change the way you think by removing the old sinful patterns. 
Now, sometimes you can't help what fiery dart comes into your mind, but many times we put ourselves in the midst of a barrage of fiery darts by what we allow ourselves to see. The eyes are like the gateway to your heart, and if you're wanting to renew your heart, you're going to have to renew what your eyes are seeing. You're going to have to guard yourself. Be specific about those things that need to change that the Spirit of God is illumining for you. It is vital that you clear out those unclean thoughts and put your focus on Jesus Christ. Learn to memorize the Scripture. Those texts that you're getting about the Scripture or those things that you're referring to of the Scripture and reading them, let that be embedded in you. Take a screenshot, keep it in your photos, and flip through them regularly. Let that word sink into you. Let it be what you meditate on. Let it be what you dwell on. Practice praying those things as the Spirit of God is giving you understanding. Matthew 23, he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind. And Colossians 3 if then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Jesus is in, and his glory should occupy first place in our thoughts and in our affections. If we're going to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then he needs to be the foremost what we're affectionate towards. Nothing else takes that place. If Christ is truly our passion, then we need to fill our mind with him. We need to fill our mind with his word. So questions, do your affections and priorities often revolve around people and things more than Jesus? Do your, uh, excuse me, are you more passionate about earthly things rather than spiritual things? Do you honestly get more excited about work or sports or recreation than about the kingdom of God? To what or to whom do you devote the majority of your thoughts and energies? Is Christ central in all your priorities or does he occupy only a small portion of your thoughts? In many of us, our thoughts are undisciplined and earth-centered immediately. We ought to confess that to God and move our attention by transforming our mind back to Him. Don't be conformed to the world who wants you to think on the things of the world, but be conformed by the renewing of your mind. Put your mind back on Christ and His Word. By God's grace, He can change your affections and your thoughts. The Spirit of God convicting, the Spirit of of God pointing out things yet? You say, yeah. Yeah, I've had enough of that already. Oh, no, that's his goodness and grace. Don't resist him. Press towards him. He's not bringing judgment into your heart unless you're not in faith. He's bringing conviction to your heart because he wants you to draw near to him. Press towards that. Help your heart by listening to Christ. Psalm 19, 119, 14 through 16 says, In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much in all riches. By the way, this is one of those passages that uses many different words to describe the Bible. Testimonies is one of them. I will med meditate on your precepts. There's another. And fix my eyes on your ways. There's another. 
I will delight in your statutes. There's another. I will not forget your word. There's another. What he's doing is drawing us back to his scripture. He's saying, this is, this is what my thoughts, this is what my intention is, this is where my hope is. And it's God's will that every believer saturate himself or herself in the word of God, in the Bible. So to do so, we must make daily choices to hide God's word in our heart. Is it your habit to seriously read and study the Bible? Now, I'm all for the text that we're doing. In fact, uh, I, I'm the one that called that we have this barrage of God's Word. But be careful. Don't be flippant with that. It's still the Word of God, even though it's coming to your phone. Still the Word of God. Read it with the intention that God Himself is speaking to you. He is. Pause. Reflect. Pray. Seek out that Word. Is it your habit to seriously read and study God's Word? Do you meditate on key verses or does God's Word have little place in your thoughts? Meditation for me has been the screenshots. It's being, uh, being very guarded to write those things down that God is speaking to me and coming back to them more regularly. Have you failed to write down key verses that speak to special needs in your life? If needed, confess those sins of failing to fill your mind with the Scripture, with God's Word. Confess that, be renewed in faith in Christ, and put this on. James 4 says, you ask, but you do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Are you guilty of seeking God more for what He can do for you than out of genuine love for Him? Do you sense your thoughts are mixed with selfish desires rather than seeking God's glory? Are you unwilling to pray for God's will when it does not fit your plan? Does your love and worship decrease when things don't go your way? If so, confess those sinful thoughts to God and ask Him to grant you a deep, genuine purposefulness in His kingdom. He will do that. Ask Him to help you develop an unconditional love for Him and to share that love with great service to Him and others. Ask Him and press towards that in Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 15, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Or out of Amos, the Old Testament, I hate, I despise your feast. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. These verses reveal God's extreme displeasure with insincere worship and empty ritual. To worship is to bow before God in his genuineness, in the reverence that he is due, and in total surrender to him. Yet many Christians have forgotten the awesome holiness of God and the majesty of our Creator. To some, it's as if God exists to meet their needs, to fulfill their needs. We seriously compromise with sin when we expect God to heed our words and to listen to our worship while we hang on to sin. What's your worship like? Does God despise it? And coming to worship is your primary purpose to bow before God in utter repentance and obedience. 
your mind filled with holy fear and reverence for God? Do you purposefully set aside Sunday as a day of worship? Do you listen to the Bible reading and preaching with great interest to obey and apply biblical truths communicated? Insincere and ritualistic worship is a serious sin committed by many believers. We need to confess that shallow reverence for God and trust God to grant you a renewed spirit of genuine reverence and worship. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. The pursuit of holiness is to be the predominant priority of every Christian. I just reframe, you and I ought to have on the forefront of our living holiness. Not entertainment, not in a good time, not in leisure, not in work, holiness. Now in the midst of all those things, holiness can prevail. I'm not asking you to be a hermit. I'm asking you to engage in life in this world with holiness as your pursuit. That's the Spirit's call. According to the Bible, holiness is to be our passionate pursuit. A Spirit-filled person will thirst to experience Christ's holiness in every aspect of our life. So is your mind filled with thoughts of how to experience greater holiness? Do you consistently take time to allow God to search every area of your heart and life? And do you allow the scripture to examine your heart? Is holiness your top pursuit? If not, ask God to grant you a heart that hungers for holiness that is genuine. Now, God's great invitation for us is to be renewed in the spirit of our heart. To be renewed. I'm praying that this week will be a great week of renewing our heart. These passages and others might help you as God begins to work in your heart and he identifies and points out that which is not of him that has caused you to be distant from God. And impressing where he is in that, you can confess, think differently about it, and trust Christ that he can, you can put this newness on and draw near to God. I'm praying that we will begin that today. Many of us, if not all of us, need to be cleansed and set free from certain sinful ways. God desires us to be free from the bondage of sin. He no longer uh, wants us to be transformed by this world or be conformed to the world. He wants us to be transformed in the image of Jesus. So won't you let him begin that this morning? So what is it that you've seen today? What is it that you've heard today that you need to give yourself to him? What is it for you individually? What is it for us collectively as the people of God? What is he saying to us? Would you listen? And would you hear? And as you're hearing, would you confess? And as you're confessing, would you in faith ask forgiveness? And as you're receiving forgiveness, would you put on that which is new in Jesus Christ and walk in it? I don't know, Randy, I've done that before. hadn't seemed to help. Well, I'm telling you, the victory of Christ it's without mistake. Press towards him. Press towards him. This isn't about you doing better. This is about Christ being victorious in you. And I believe, I believe that you 
and I can be victorious in him. Now let's pause and pray. I don't know, Lord, how you will manifest yourself in these truths in the hearts and the minds of our people. In some ways, it's overwhelming. It's too much. But perhaps there's something that you have illuminated by your spirit that we need to exercise right now, confess, repent, and put on. Be renewed. I'm praying, God, that by your spirit, you would enable us to have godly sorrow over our sin, which leads us to repentance. I'm praying there won't be a single person in this room that will be hard-hearted, that will be stiff and resistant to you, but that by your grace and your goodness, you would press and soften our hearts. For those who have just come to a conclusion that sin is just the way it is, oh Lord, may they find the victory of Christ greater than sin. Renew them in your word today, Lord. For the one who has had a lingering or besetted sin, oh God, in the power of prayer unto you, would you break that stronghold and would you reset their life? Pray that you would find every individual embracing that call and that none of us would be resistant to your work. I pray this in the name of Jesus, who is our transformer and our redeemer. Amen.